Hello, this is Dr. Paul Sachs. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Open Forum Infectious Diseases, and this is the OFID podcast. And as a reminder, that's OFID and not OFID. Today's our first for the OFID podcast because we've invited an ID fellow. Yes, an ID fellow. Dr. Aditya or Adi Shah, who's the chief ID fellow and an assistant professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic, is joining us today. He's coming to us from warm and sunny Rochester, Minnesota. <laughs> Adi, welcome to the OFID podcast. Thank you, Dr. Sachs. Yeah, it's negative two degrees, so shorts weather is in Minnesota right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's start us off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, in particular, sure. um, how you found yourself going into medicine. Sure. Uh, I'm originally from a small town in Surat in India. I went to medical school in Mumbai, after which I went to residency in Chicago, go Cubs. And then (laughs) I moved to Minnesota to do my fellowship at the Mayo Clinic. Growing up, I was always interested in forming human connections, speaking with people, talking to people. And I was also very interested in science. So I thought medicine was a good marriage between these two interests of mine, so much so that it feels like a way of life more than a job for me. Growing up, me and my brother also watched my parents grow and be successful in their medical careers, Ah. despite being from a humble background. So that motivated us both a lot to go into medicine. So you're a doctor, you've described it beautifully, you're interested in both people and science, and that is actually a really good combination for a physician. Yes. But why did you choose infectious diseases? Well, going into residency, I knew I wanted to do infectious diseases. I saw a lot of tropical infections back when I was practicing in India. I like the thinking aspect of an infectious disease doctor, along with the skills required to be an infectious disease doctor, need that you be a good general internal medicine doctor. Because I like medicine as a whole and I want to keep in touch with all parts of medicine, ID just felt the right combination of skills that are needed to be a good ID doctor. Excellent. You know, I think a lot of us chose to go into ID because we imagined ourselves as sort of being the best internists in the hospital. Someone once joked that you take the best cardiologist in a cardiology division, and Mm -hmm. that's maybe the best cardiologist in the hospital, but the second best might be an IT doctor. Anyway. (laughs) That's a good way to put it, yep. So let me now shift to the reason why you, Adi Shah, are appearing here on this podcast. You you have gained a large (laughs) and I would say quite enthusiastic following on social media Uh, Twitter in particular, for your extremely humorous posts. Let me describe them if I can. Sure. They usually include a very carefully curated short video. I'm going to say it's a GIF, although I know some people say GIF, but I think GIF, uh, with an ID-oriented comment. Yes. And many of them have an antibiotic stewardship theme. And for example, I will just share with you one of my favorites, (laughs) which shows an adorable baby panda who's (laughs) clinging to their little ball. Yes. And a little cute music is playing, and your caption is, me, when the team wants to use (laughs) unneeded meripenem. Now, I would say that's a classic Adi Shah steward meme, if I've ever seen one, and uh, you've now created that hashtag phrase. So when did you start posting things like this, and what inspired you to do it? I got on Twitter in March of 2018 after an airplane incident where we with the healthcare team were able to help a patient on the flight. But after that, for more than a year, I remained largely anonymous, kind of a lurker in the background. 
background. In May of this year, I stumbled upon this medical meme made by an account called Scratchpad MD, where the GIF was a wedding scene where a man is preventing a lady sitting next to him from catching one of those wedding bouquets. And that, mm-hmm. to me, reflected a daily ID occurrence on service when ID tells the team that you don't need metronidazole when the patient is already on vancomycin and piptazol. So, um, yeah, that kind of made me laugh. And I'm like, oh, maybe I can make something similar with these uh, funny looking arrows. And I posted it. And within a day or so, that got more than 100 retweets and several thousand likes and comments. People laughed, people shared it. And it made a nice teaching point that you don't really need metronidazole when you already have vancomycin and piptazol. Caveats are obviously there, but in general, you don't need them. That's Mm -hmm. how this started. And people have asked me as to how you're making these. There's really no science to it. If I find a video or a GIF funny, I assume that others will find it funny as well. And if a medical situation coincides with the situation in the video, then I just put it out. And I'm so surprised that my really weird and convoluted sense of humor has been appreciated so much by so many people. And now I've essentially made many memes of diagnostic and antimicrobial stewardship, including the utility of MRSA swabs, the controversy about procalcitonin, the big issue of urine culturing, contact precautions for various ID conditions, importance of vaccines. And obviously, my big one is antimicrobial stewardship as to when you don't need antibiotics and when you do need antibiotics. And that has garnered so much popularity. It has gotten thousands of retweets, millions of impressions, and several hundred thousand views, interactions. People have reached out to me more than 30, 40 occasions to use this meme for educational <laughs> purposes on PowerPoints. And I was like, seriously, you're going to use a meme <laughs> to teach people? And the basic point is that if it's less than, say, 8, 10 seconds, and if you laugh at it, and if it makes a point, and if you remember it in a clinical situation moving forward, there's no bigger win-win situation than that, right? So that's yeah. how this is going. So were you a funny kid growing up in school? Were you the class clown? Or is this something that you've arrived at relatively recently? In school, I was the studious kid, Indian <laughs> doctor, parents, <laughs> that kind of stereotype. But my sense of humor is owing to my grandfather. He was the funniest person I ever know. And I've spent uh-huh. so much time with him. And I would call it more sarcastic and quirky and then making a point. Whereas where you make a point without the other person feel bad and both you and the other person laugh, that is the best joke I feel in times that we live in where everybody seems to take everything so seriously. I wouldn't say that I'm a super funny person. I would just say I'm a sarcastic person and people laugh when I'm around and I laugh from other people being around as well. So I like to have a good time. So I guess that translates into Twitter and the analogies that I use on Twitter. Yeah. On my blog, I featured a whole segment Mm -hmm. on some of the times you made fun of (laughs) medical TV shows. Uh, I've particularly enjoyed one where you you showed this, you know, incredibly long line of ducks crossing the road (laughs) and said, you know, the medical team on morning rounds entering a patient's room. These are actually pretty funny. And some of the people who listen to this believe it or not, are not ID doctors. But I do think there is a universality of some of them. I mean, I know that not everyone could be as up to date on ID issues and antibiotic stewardship as we ID doctors are. But I think there's a general kind of theme to it that most people can understand. I particularly liked the one where you showed a guy 
standing at the ocean with his arms <laughs> raised against yes. the uh, waves, and then the me clears email inbox and epic in basket, and five minutes later, uh, he gets covered by the wave. Anyway, perfect. Isn't it so true? That is so our <laughs> life, and especially the ducks thing. Like when I'm pre-rounding or rounding in the morning, there's like this jostling for space that goes on on the floors between the yeah. various teams. We have such large teams, and that just reflected with me. And the in basket, oh my god, don't even get me started on that. I can make memes <laughs> one every day for that. So yeah, it is pretty funny. And these memes reflect with me as to what our daily situations at work are. And you're absolutely right. In the stewardship realm, we in ID are well aware of the problems of antimicrobial resistance and antimicrobial stewardship. My attempt via Twitter is to not just reach the ID. We already know that this is an issue, but the non-ID docs and the non-medical community, if they can appreciate the importance of resistance and stewardship, Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. that's a great way to reach the masses. Absolutely. So are there any particular favorites you'd like to share? I just shared some of my favorites. Go ahead. I mean, even though it's a podcast, we can link to them. Okay, great. One of my big career interests is diagnostic stewardship because I feel that in tertiary medicine these days, there's these plethora of resources, facilities. There's A, there's facilities to do tests and B, there's providers who are skilled to use those facilities to do procedures. I feel that we are overdoing the diagnostic aspect of it Mm -hmm. just to be sure kind of mentality. And I feel that so many times because of this approach, we end up uh, having results that we don't know what to make of. So my particular favorite was this guy welding a rod in a fence and he welds it from the wrong side of the fence so much so that his head gets stuck in between the (laughs) fence. So he can't really come out now because the rod is already welded, but his head is stuck between the two rods. So that made me laugh a lot. And I said, oh, this is exactly, ID gets called so many times because we ordered this test and we have this results positive. What do we do about it? And if ID does not get consulted, then that might lead to to inappropriate or incorrect treatment for the patient. My strong belief is that if we do not order the wrong test, we will not get the wrong result, which will then prevent the wrong treatment and harm to the patient. Yeah. Think about all those beta-glucan consults you had. (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) or those blood cultures ordered for a patient coming in for an unrelated reason and, you know, a contaminant popping up and what do we do about it? Or those bronchoscopies in completely healthy patients who are just being intubated or and every possible ID test gets sent from it and some yeast is growing in an immunocompetent patient. What do we do about it? I think we are overdoing all the resources that we have. And that's why that meme really reflected with me. And the interesting part of that was I just put it out as a general comment. And then thousands of people from different fields, a cardiologist will say that troponin usage, a GI doc will say <laughs> an autoimmune panel, a rheumatologist will say sure, an ANA panel. Got it. it reflected with everybody and everybody associated with it. So I think it's a very general meme that everybody appreciated. So let me ask you about your colleagues sure. a bit and your family. Yes. Um, wonder, what's their response? And then also in particular, has there been any pushback from your bosses or employers? And what are some of the critical things you've heard? So that's a bunch of questions. Yeah, I'll break it down into three. So the first part about colleagues, I've been lucky to have colleagues who are very supportive. I actually get sent ideas now saying that, hey, Adi, why don't you make a meme about this or <laughs> GIFs or ideas or pictures? So they've in general been very supportive. Again, as I said, my intention is not to blame anybody. My intention is to 
to make a teaching point, make people laugh and move on. I'm not accusing anybody in this aspect. So in, in general, the feedback has been very positive from my employer. However, I did take off my employer <laughs> name from my Twitter account because I do not associate anything that I do with my employer. Uh, there has mm. been a controversial situation that had happened when I was only a few hundred followers. I'd made a meme that every patient who comes in with strep cellulitis in the hospital gets put on vancomycin, heptazo. So I got mm. some pushback from people on that mm-hmm. by people saying that it sounds accusatory. And I took that feedback. I mm-hmm. don't believe in blocking anybody or anything like that. I just took that feedback and made sure that the next time I make a meme, it does not sound accusatory. So I, when I make a meme, I just ask myself, how does this sound? If it sounds accusatory, no matter how funny it is, I will not put it out because that is not my intention. And my family doesn't know Twitter. <laughs> they do not care about my Twitter activities. But you might be able to get your parents and your siblings to listen to this, right? Yes. As Indian parents and Indian families are, they are going to be super proud about it. So, right. And when you featured my tweet on the Journal Watch with the medical TV show, I sent it to them as well, and they were all gung-ho Great. about it. So I, I thank you for doing that. <laughs> Excellent. Now, you seem like you're a genuinely kind person, and I think that reflects in what you just mentioned yeah. about taking down what seems to me like a relatively mild comment right. about everybody getting vancomycin and piptazo. But yes. anyway, another controversy is the general one of doctors and other healthcare professionals on social media. Mm-hmm. I know I can guess your position, mm-hmm. but do you have any lessons, any do's or don'ts, aside from that one you just mentioned about being accusatory, for those considering use of social media for education for the first time? Sure. There's this big discussion about social media and medicine that everybody must have some kind of a slant or kind of a general idea of what you're going to do when you come on Twitter. My view is a little different from that. I think you should just come on. I came on to learn from experts like yourself and other people in the field, and I still learn from experts like you guys in the field. My general rule, and this is what I follow as a person in real life as well, is that just be yourself, uh, don't pick a fight, and respect every opinion, even if it is totally contrary to your view, uh, don't go on arguing and fighting. I'm not asking you to accept it, but just respect it without picking a fight. My philosophy on Twitter has been just learn, laugh, and engage, and don't fight or argue. That is what I would say. Now, if you're posting patient information or you know those oh, clinical yeah. vignettes that you're posting, just make sure that it is HIPAA compliant because these days, everybody is on social media. You have to be very careful and it's insensitive if you post something mm-hmm. which has identifiers. Just be smart about it. Make sure that if you're putting something out, will you be able to live with negative consequences of that if it sounds negative? Yeah. One way I've approached it is I've only kind of gone for controversial subjects when they're ones that I believe in so strongly that I'm willing to take the negative comment. Things that to you and me are not controversial, like being a pro-vaccine physician or being in favor of gun control. I mean, they seem very straightforward for, for many doctors, but boy, you can really elicit a lot of controversy. But I'm willing to do that for those physicians like that. But you really have to be much more careful for things that are more nuanced. Anyway, excellent advice. I'd also like to add, so as attendings like yourself and consultants, I think you can be a Mm -hmm. little bit braver about it. But advice I would give to trainees is you are still under employment and your insurance is still run Mm -hmm. by somebody who employs you. 
you still do not have a job. So you got to be really careful as a trainee, even if you're picking up a controversial topic mm. with which you have strong beliefs. So that would be a word of advice. Your level of comfort of addressing controversial topics would definitely be way different yeah. than, say, my level of comfort. You know, so that you have to be careful there. As a very, trainee. very good point. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you now a question about being an ID fellow. You're a senior ID fellow. You're the chief ID fellow yes. at Mayo. Tell us, attending yes. and faculty ID types, something ID fellows know or experience or do that you think we don't appreciate or at least appreciate enough. I actually <laughs> recently read your blog about the first year ID fellows and that reflected so nicely with what I feel about this situation. I feel that we are in a field where the styles of practice and the spectra of practice are so wide that you might have somebody who likes to do stuff one way on one week and then next week you have somebody who likes to do it completely mm. different way. So many times in medicine I've been fortunate to work in environments where this has not been too much of an issue but this is still a field where the spectra of practices wide and the trainee has to adjust to a different attending every week how about the attendings also maybe try and give a little space and adjust to the trainee how about that you know <laughs> obviously in the realms of uh, logic when it comes to patient care maybe but... a little bit of that I also think that as trainees through my career me and my friends appreciate attendings who would let us discuss how our plans loud without having to think as to what the attending wants me to say because that would hamper the trainees learning in my opinion if you're just thinking what sure. do they want me to say excellent advice that makes the fellow feel like they're a, a contributor to the process exactly. of taking care of the patients and not just there as a data collecting slave <laughs> if you will exactly and again i've been lucky to work in environments where the hierarchy is not an issue it's more of a team based approach but i feel that that is an exception and not a norm so i feel if there is attendings at other hospitals in the country or listening to this maybe a more team based approach versus a hierarchy based approach works best mm-hmm. for the trainee and lastly attendings come and go off service in spells right you have service mm-hmm. then you have admin time whereas for the mm-hmm. trainee along with clinical patient care inpatient, you're dealing with in-baskets and emails and research and signing orders, your patients in clinic and doing scans and faxes, et cetera, et cetera. So I think in times we live in, the non-clinical responsibilities of a trainee are almost equal to the clinical responsibilities. So maybe some appreciation of that would also help the trainee optimize their training experience. It's really uh, excellent advice. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a reason why I wrote that, because I do think the first year of ID fellowship is very difficult and almost intrinsically so. One of the things that makes it difficult is not knowing what it's okay not to know because the patients are so complicated Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what's going on with them is challenging, but you don't know yet that no one's going to know. You know, it's kind of like, it's one of the things you just learn from years of experience. Anyway, Adi, what's next for you? What's on the horizon? So right now I'm on a very busy hospital service. So that's going to take up my time for two months. July, 2020 is when I'll hopefully start my first academic job after more than a decade in training, get a real job, as my friends tell me. Um, (laughs) I also have a very strong career interest in ICUID and stewardship, as you know. So my long-term five-year goal is that if there's a patient in an ICU on an antibiotic, I feel that 
that an ID doc and or an ID pharmacist must lay eyes on the appropriateness of that antibiotic. Well, well, Adi, uh, wherever you end up, they will be very lucky to have you. Thank you um, so much. I want to thank you yes. uh, for appearing on this OFID podcast. And just as a reminder to those listening, I've been speaking with Dr. Adi Shah, who is Chief ID Fellow and Assistant Professor of Medicine at Mayo Clinic. Yes. And you should definitely follow him on Twitter. Thank you, Dr. Sachs. Thanks very much. Bye. Take care.